I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Over for the National Dairy Conference, Mike Deneen has been working in New York for the last three years with a collaboration between Cornell University and Chagas, where he is investigating the feed value of grazed grass. In August 2015, uh, Chagas Moor Park um, began a new collaboration with Cornell University. Um, Cornell is a, a land-grant university over in New York State, so they're very similar to ourselves in Moor Park and, and across the country in Chagas in terms of the extension and advisory. Um, the specific person we're after collaborating with in Cornell is uh, Professor Mike Van Amberg. He's one of the world-leading nutrition scientists, and he's gatekeeper of the CNCPS. And the CNCPS is the uh, Cornell Net Carbohydrate and Protein Systems Model. So some of our goals going over to um, New York was to uh, better define um, graze grass. So in the, the CNCPS system, they have um, very in-depth feed chemistry to define their ingredients. So we wanted to apply this to um, to our, our graze pasture and, and better understand what nutrients it's supplying our, our grazing dairy cow. And then other goals were to see are there areas of opportunity where we could capitalise further on our grass and uh, potentially complement those swards and then overall increase performance from pasture-based systems. And so you've done some research from an Irish perspective in the summer of 2018. Can you talk us through the experiment? Nearly all of our research so far has been done under the Irish context or on pasture-based systems. Uh, one of the beauties of the CNCPS is it um, quantifies the information in, an, in a universal um, terms. So when we break down the ingredients, we're looking at the, the crude protein and the quality of the crude protein um, in different pools, which is you can apply it to grass silage, maize silage or, or grass. Same with the NDF. We uh, define it in terms of the pools of NDF and that's universal across all the ingredients. Um, it's similar with the cow then as well. We um, uh, define the cow, um, her body weight, her uh, how much condition score she's losing. So the, the, the system seems to be working well universally. Um, so then in terms of our um, projects done so far, you, you mentioned the one in 2018. So we did a paddock experiment down in the Clonakilty Ag College um, where we were looking at trying to understand what was first limiting our grazing dairy cows um, in the mid-season scenario. Um, our experiment, uh, we were able to keep herbage to the cows, but we were um, hurt badly by the drought, like the rest of the country. Um, but our herbage quality changed drastically. So the experiment we were planning uh, seemed to shift a bit, but we still generated good data in terms of how to deal better with a drought in future years. Um, our main hypothesis in that experiment were that we were trying to see could we increase dry matter intake by reducing NDF content of the diet and uh, increasing the soluble fractions in the diet. So we used um, a citrus pulp to help achieve this. And we also included um, treated soybean meal ingredients to see was MP or metabolizable protein first limiting. And talk us through the main findings and the results of this research. So um, just again, uh, because of the drought, it drastically changed our, our, our formulated diets. Um, our crude protein content of the grass across the experiment was 14.5%. So that's um, way below what we're used to dealing with. Usually our crude proteins are around 18, 19 or 20. Um, so this uh, really re reduced the, the grass crude protein content. Um, also the NDF levels were elevated. So instead of typically 35 to 38% uh, NDF um, in our pastures, the average across the experiment was 445 uh, 
So the main findings were that um, our hypothesis held true for the citrus in terms of dry matter intake. We achieved two kilos more dry matter intake on the citrus treatment, um, but the animals didn't respond in terms of milk solid production. So while we um, helped them achieve a higher dry matter intake, they weren't specifically the right nutrients that were limiting uh, in terms of milk production. The treated soybean meal um, treatments, there was two of them, one uh, just treated soybean meal where there was roughly 900 grams fed and then there was a mix. So it had some citrus and some treated soybean meal that was fed at a higher rate of three and a half kilos um, and they both responded better than the citrus which was fed um, at five and a half kilos. So in terms of response to supplement, on our citrus, where we fed five and a half kilos, our response to supplement was only uh, 0.4. So for every kilo of supplement we offered, we got uh, 400 grams of milk production extra. Um, with our treated soybean meal, we got a response of uh, two. So this is extremely high, um, and it's higher than most uh, responses stated in the literature. Um, but again, back to the, the drought conditions, this elevated the treatment's um, chance to perform better. And we may have had a, a rumen nitrogen effect happening there. And uh, based on these reasons, we need to repeat the study and carry it out again and make sure um, that our uh, results are repeatable. So in terms of that, um, there was a, a, that we could break down the experiment into three distinct periods. We had um, entering into the drought conditions, we had peak drought, and we had post drought when we returned back to lush grass. So we were lucky down in Clannacilty. Uh, the rain came a little bit sooner than the rest of the country, and we were able to... Um, see how the treatments responded on more typical grass. Um, we were restricted in time, we only had two weeks of information, but the hypotheses again seem to hold up and it's encouraging that if we repeat the experiment um, we may see similar results. And I guess, you know, if we're looking at grass, I mean, grass is a highly nutritious product, but we, you know, we must acknowledge that there's huge variability, particularly, you know, even looking at the, the grazing season. Talk us through the quality of grass. You're dead right, Jack. Grazed grass is a, a very high nutritious uh, feed. Um, we're very lucky in our ability to grow and utilise large quantities of it. Um, there's many parts of the world that would be delighted to be able to grow a forage as high quality as ours. And uh, you'd often hear that it's very hard to outfeed a bad forage. So... Um, our pasture, so we've taken samples from uh, 2015, 16 and 17 um, and we've ran them through the feed analysis in the United States and the NDF fraction digested faster than they've ever seen uh, digest before for a forage ingredient. Um, it seems to make sense uh, because of our management practices. We keep the um, our pasture in an immature state, so the 1,500 kgs of dry matter per hectare uh, pre-grazing yield. It prevents the grass's ability to um, perform cross-linking and tie up the more degradable cellulose and hemicellulose. So by our management practices and our nice environmental conditions, we're able to maintain a very highly digestible forage. Um, while this is really beneficial, it'll drive dry matter intake. It's what allows us to achieve high performance on a 100% forage diet. In terms of the protein side, it can be a detrimental effect in terms of uh, the nitrogen or the crude protein being too degradable. So at times in the year, um, our nitrogen, may a, a large proportion may break down in the rumen and then it won't have uh, necessarily its um, positive effect when the cow absorbs protein at the small intestine. It doesn't reach the small intestine. So we're heavily dependent on the rumen microbial population um, that them, them themselves are a high quality protein rich in amino acids. So we our digestible material is growing a large population of these microbes that are getting flushed to the small intestine and being absorbed 
but in terms of our feed protein that's escaping digestion it, we're at um, low amounts and that's where the treated soybean meal investigation is coming into play there in the summers we're trying to uh, quantify how much of that feed protein actually escapes so on top of that in the summer of 2017 we did an omasal flow experiment in Chagas Moor Park um, we had 10 uh, rumen cannulated cows and we did this new sampling technique where we reached into the animals and placed the device at the exit of the rumen and we sampled from there. And this allowed us to quantify these variables that we're talking about. So for the first time um, for grazing dairy uh, cows, um, we were able to measure at the uh, reticulomasal canal the amount of microbes flowing out and the amount of feed protein uh, flowing out and also uh, the behaviour of the carbohydrates in the rumen. So all this information that we're gathering we can use to evaluate the CNCPS and see how well it predicts these things. And from there we can understand what the grass is truly supplying our cows and understand uh, the misbalances in terms of her requirements and see can we increase performance from the cow. Typically, what is the main kind of nutrient that you're seeing is causing the imbalance? It's very dynamic and complex. So if it was um, if it was easy to put my finger on on one thing, it'd be great. I, I could come home from from the states, um, but it changes throughout the year. So a cow in early lactation on spring pastures, she'll typically be limited by a, a factor like dry matter intake as she's gearing up from being a dry cow went through calving and is trying to increase her dry matter intake, um, her gastrointestinal um, tract is expanding and it's, it's mainly dry matter intake there. Um, also, what's dynamic about it is our swords are also changing, so not just the cow's requirements, but the supply we're offering our animals is naturally changing as we go through the year. So our spring pastures are very, very high in, in, in protein. They can be up to 20, 21, 22% crude protein. So typically... Um, it's, it's still very early days and we haven't much uh, hard research done um, in terms of the CNCPS in the spring period, but typically in the spring we'll be looking at more of uh, energy as a limitation. So we may benefit from um, starch, uh, things like maize meal or barley or, or, um, or wheat, but we again have to be very careful because our NDF is so digestible, it's very... Um, it's very sensitive to an upset rumen environment. So if we overload the rumen with these really degradable starch um, ingredients, we can uh, reduce rumen pH and have a detrimental effect on the microbes' ability to break down in the F. And while we're trying to um, trying to fix a problem in terms of dry matter intake, we're creating a worse problem by reducing the fibers clearance from the rumen. So in the spring, uh, typically energy. In the summer, we've been investigating um, MP, so metabolizable protein at the small intestine. We, we still have to repeat our experiment because of the drought. And in the autumn, again, we, we, we're working on it. We're, we're developing new um, project proposals that we're hoping to do over the next few years. And um, hopefully we'll have more evidence and more data to back ourselves in, in the future. And I suppose something I'm, I'm picking up in terms of what you're going to feed the animal in the spring, it's essentially talking about when you are supplementing at those different periods of the year, you're essentially giving a customised supplement. You're not, you know, looking for a 16% nut or an 18% nut. You're really looking into the ingredients and how they best suit your cow. Um, just to follow on then, um, you had mentioned pre-grazing yield and that has a huge impact on say the fiber uh, content and I suppose the NDF um, you mentioned 1500 is that the target that you'd go with or would you go higher or lower um, so just uh, on your comment there about uh, the 
picking out the specific ration 100% and we're kind of aiming towards a strategic supplementation. So if you feed a half a ton of concentrate or 750 kilos or a ton, we're aiming to feed the correct nutrients. So essentially get more bang for your buck. Give that animal the nutrients she needs rather than just a, a kilo of supplement. Um, so the pre-grazing yield question, um, again, we haven't uh, too much hard evidence on that in terms of the CNCPS. We have lots of uh, OMD data and our OMD data is very strong in terms of uh, pre-grazing yield. Um, the 1500, we know we can get more digestible material if we go down lower to 12, 1300s, but we're losing um, productivity of our, of our swards and our hectare. We won't be able to grow as much grass. So the 1500 is um, almost a fine balance between digestibility and, and productivity. Um, it also, again, it's another dynamic um, thing. Um, so the cross-linking of the plant is very dependent on things like um, weather conditions, so rainfall and, and heat. Uh, day length, it can be sensitive to that too. So the time of the year will affect it. So a 1500 in the spring might necessarily be the same feed quality as a 1500 in the autumn. And we can pick this up with our new tests in terms of NDF digestibility and the amount of undigestible NDF. And we've evidence from uh, 2015 and 16 to show at the similar pre-grazing yields that a spring sward uh, degrades at a faster rate in the rumen and it's also more, it has a larger pool of digestible material. So again, the by collaborating with the Cornell and the CNCPS, we can add another layer of information to help our understanding of what nutrients are being supplied from our swards. And I guess finally then to, you know, to sum up, like what are the potential benefits for farmers where they can import the Cornell system into their and, and customise it for their farm? Um, so, so at the moment, in my eyes, um, the main benefits would be we can, by more accurately understanding the nutrient supply from the grass, we can understand what's missing from uh, the cow's requirements. So from here, we can develop our strategic supplementation plans. So in the spring or mid-season or autumn, we can uh, provide the specific nu nutrient she needs and hopefully get our larger responses to supplements. So like in the experiment in Clan, we range from a response of 0.4 all the way up to 2. So if we could keep pushing towards the higher end of 2, it would be much more profitable for our dairy farmers uh, across the country. Um in terms of this um, understanding the nutrient supply, we're getting a better understanding of our grasses, and this is giving us uh, new variables that we could potentially breed our grasses for. So if we know um, that our autumn swards have a lower proportion of digestible material, we can use that variable to breed our future grasses and, and try to um, uh, capitalise further on pasture. And then finally, um, the more accurate we get at predicting digestibility and absorption of nutrients from um, our feeds, we, um, we essentially get better at predicting the excretion of, of nutrients. So in terms of nitrogen excretion and um, phosphorus and, and potassium, um, we can better understand what's being excreted, methane also, and we can help mitigate some of these uh, negative environmental effects. And uh, just before we go to, I'd like to make uh, a couple of acknowledgements, if that's okay. Um, so uh, Pat Dillon has been very, very supportive um, throughout my early researcher career, and I'm very thankful of the opportunities he's provided and um, very thankful for, for Pat. Uh, Brian McCarthy, too, is a great friend of mine and, and colleague now, and he's been very, very helpful. He's teaming up with me here and all the work in Cornell, and none of it could be done without him. And finally, just uh, clinical 
the Ag College. They're really supportive too down um, over the summer in 2018 and without their help again, the experiment wouldn't be a success. So thanks very much. That's great. Thank you, Mike. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Mike Janine for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts and for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.